Welcome, one and all, to episode 370 of Signals from Mars. I'm your host, Victor. And for this episode, I bring you the audio version of a recent live stream where we discussed our favorite debut albums. Much like other episodes, I had a ton of people vote on what their favorite debut album was for all types of hard rock and metal and beyond. Check it out next. I'm ready. Let's do it! Much like all the other episodes that use the same premise, live streams, podcasts, whatever that I do on Signals from Mars, I had people vote on their 10 favorites. Those 10 are assigned points. Number one gets 10 point. Number two gets nine points, so on and so forth, down to number 10, which gets one point. I reached out to a lot of different people on a lot of different platforms, and I've even, you know, I've posted about this on social media, and it shows the importance of social media. Folks, if you can, subscribe to the Facebook page or group to Instagram, uh, to Twitter, X, however you want to call it, or um, any of the other social media platforms that I do use in relation to the podcast. Uh, I'm updating the list on the website. will be updated within the next few weeks. And it's important that you guys stay in the loop because when it comes to voting for these things, I can only do so much with touching base with people. And some people respond, some people don't respond. No, not everybody wants to play podcaster per se. So it's uh, one of these things where I try to cast the biggest net possible, but sometimes it just isn't possible to do something. And what I mean by that is reach out to absolutely everyone who might be interested in taking part. And I get it. Everyone's busy. So not everyone either is in the know, has time, or even wants to be part of one of these shows. So go to SignalsFromMars.com. You'll find a one-stop shopping place for everything related to Signals From Mars. And that's any of the social media platforms, any place where you can subscribe to the podcast or watch the live stream as it is taking place. Your voice is very important to me. And I'm not bullshitting you when I say that. There's a lot of shows that talk about, oh, you know, my fans are great, but they end up ignoring them. You know, I've I've known people that have reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I was on so-and-so's Patreon and I was largely ignored. Why is it that some random person online who isn't backing the show is getting recognition while I'm paying 20 bucks a month and they've never mentioned me by name uh, on the show? So, I mean, look, I try to do the best that I can. I can't speak to what other shows do. I try to do the best that I can to give people the experience that I want myself on Patreon. I do what I can to try to do that. I, I try to give you guys new music to check out, new music from bands you may know, bands that you may not have known in the past. And again, I'm trying to expand things and cast a larger net with various social media platforms that I haven't tried out in the past. Come along for the ride. You know, all you have to do is click on like or share with your friends or whatnot. You know, I, I get it that Patreon isn't for everyone. If you're so inclined to spare two bucks a month, please do so. If not, it's cool. Whatever you can do to support is greatly appreciated one way or the other. So I do want to thank 
everyone who has been joining us during the live streams and those who are currently patrons. I'm not going to name everyone for this episode. I have another episode coming out later this week. Just a lot of technical issues have stopped me from putting out anything sooner. In any event, thank you guys. I appreciate you listening. And here we go with the show. Welcome one and all to the December 15th, December 15th. Let me say that again. December 15th edition of the Signals from Mars live stream podcast uh, replay. Depending when you are listening or watching this, this is an exciting episode, an exciting concept. And I just want to mention this before I bring my guests on the show. The the cavalierish group, this cavalierish cavalcade of guests that I have. This is a podcast. This is a show where your voice is appreciated and heard. There are many other shows that claim to be about the people, for the people, so on and so forth. And they're full of shit. I actually have people vote and we come up with these lists and we come up with these excellent discussions and shows. And I hope that you guys enjoy what we have planned for you today. So let me introduce our guests and then we'll get on with it. From California, Mr. Metal Dan. Greetings. The man that came up with the concept, Jeremy Weltman in the UK. Good good evening. All right. From Sweden, Johan, I don't dare pronounce your last name so that you don't laugh at me. (laughs) I heter Johan Ederström. Välkomna allihopa till Signus from Mars. There you go. Uh, hello to Sean Richmond, who is in the chat. Hope you're doing well, sir. He voted as well. From the new home base of Yarg Metal in Idaho, Mr. Brad Dahl. Cheers. And joining, and joining us, us from Ireland. Ireland. Anthony Mackey. How are you, sir? Hey, good. Cool. So, as I mentioned off air, over 150 albums were voted for. This was the largest turnout. I will say that I also shook a lot of trees this time around to get voting from a lot of different social media platforms, uh, from sites like Quora, from other podcasters, from journalists from people that span the gamut of just music, music fans in general. I wanted to make sure that we had a good representation, that there was a lot of stuff. There was a lot of stuff that people voted for, and there are a certain amount of albums. The top the top 12 got a lot of votes. 
I will say that. But they must be good then. I think that they're all very good. And there's a lot of stuff here that uh, there's stuff that I need to check out. There's other stuff that, as I mentioned, as I was setting up albums behind me, I thought, wow, I didn't vote for this one. But would I have included it in my list? Uh, Come to mind over my shoulders. I have the first down album, which I think is an absolute classic, but that didn't make my list. Didn't make anybody's list. Uh, Also, the first fight album, which I think is one of the greatest albums of the 1990s. Uh, That isn't on here either. That isn't among the 150 something albums that were included. So without further ado, we are going to focus on the top 25 because that will take us plenty of time to discuss. There are some surprises in here. I will say that. At least surprises to me. Maybe other people will say, what do you know? Of course that album should be there. But at 25, an album that was huge back in the day when it came out, an album that still has songs played off of it on the radio, probably newer, quote unquote, the album is 20 years old now. (laughs) But uh, it is Fallen. By Evanescence. This got voted on by quite a few people. And this is an album that I really think marked a difference in time because it um, it, it not only gave, brought this band to the forefront, but it also brought a style of music. Maybe it helped commercialize certain aspects of symphonic metal, perhaps. Uh, The biggest track off of this, Bring Me to Life, had some rapping on it as well. So it was a mix of a lot of different things. Uh, It was the launch pad for for Amy Lee. Um, And say what you want, I saw them in concert, and I've seen them blow away plenty of metal band on a festival bill. They were – I was impressed by them. But uh, I I think that this album is important because of that. I I think it did mark a – before and after, or uh, whether people want to admit this or not, female-fronted bands and adding certain aspects of metal to um, uh, pop culture, if you will. Anyone else want to mention something about this album? Okay. Moving on, then. (laughs) No problem. We've got... Hey. We got plenty uh, to talk about. Who? who yes, that's the, I always say this uh, from smoking the bandit. Um, uh, we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Uh, that's what Snowman would would sing. Yeah. So uh, that's right, that that that's true with He's all. Of anyway, at twenty four, an album that Mister Yard Metal and I have been discussing offline. At 24, it is mm. a self-titled debut by Boston. Ooh. This got voted on by quite a few people as well. And this was something that Brad and I talked about because when I recently guessed it on the Ghost Cult uh, podcast, Brad and I had talked about other bands that you could possibly say were the greatest American rock band from the 70s. 
And I brought up Boston as being an example of maybe somebody that you could bring up. But, Brad, you brought up a good point. They really only had two big albums. I mean, the other two, three albums that they've released over the years are nowhere near as big. Um, I mean, Mr. Schultz revolutionized how guitar was recorded. I mean, let's be honest with that huge sound. He recorded everything at home. He didn't use any amps. (laughs) So... He left the mark with that, but um, it was voted 24 as far as one of the most important debut albums. Anyone want to mention something, Brad? You're you're shaking your head, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not a you know being at that time of my life in the 70s, I was quite the musical snob, and uh, when this album came out, I was just like, oh, what is this crap? Um, and everybody loved it. I mean, everybody at my high school just, it was like Boston was the best thing that ever happened. And of course that probably rubbed me the wrong way as well. Cause it's like, no, no, there's other bands that are a lot more important that you don't even know anything about. Um, but having, uh, the funny thing is that I, first time I ever listened to the whole album was probably, probably within the last year. Okay. Uh, I was asked to comment on, uh, compare it to rank it with some other album. And I thought, well, I can't, I'm not going to talk about something I don't know anything about. So I'm going to listen to the whole thing. And I was surprised there was only maybe like two songs on there that I had not heard. Right. So that is incredible for like an album I've never owned, but yet I've heard every song, but maybe two of them. Mm -hmm. And of course, a lot of the problem, well, a lot of the situation is there's like four or five songs that sound exactly the same. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, he kind of he kind of had a thing thing there that he kind of just kept writing writing in the same uh, uh, vein, which is cool. Uh, but but yeah, I mean that says a lot about now. I and mean, I, I kind of expected this to be in the top ten, actually. Okay. Well, as as I've uh, mentioned to Johan a few times during the course of these thousands of shows, we have to consider the magnitude of the albums that lie ahead. So, Johan, what, what do you want to say? Yeah, question for Brad. As a musical snob, when uh, uh, Boston released the first LP, what was the snobbish albums? Oh, God. That, that's a whole other show, Johan. There is so... Uh, what, what, that I liked? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, there's basically, really, in my world, there were four bands. Unlike my brother, who there was only one band. Uh, but we did share that band. That's Black Sabbath. He, he always said that four of his top five favorite bands are Black Sabbath. And the fifth one is Iron Maiden. So, um, yeah, so Black Sabbath definitely was something I was very into, listened to a lot. Uh, other huge band for me, Blue Oyster Cult. And Jeremy, I'm glad to hear that you're getting on the Blue Oyster Cult train. We'll have to have a, a side chat about that because they were like my first favorite band. And I just thought everything they did was fantastic. My very first concert. Uh, number three for me was Kiss. And I, I have a feeling we're going to see them on this list somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, yeah, Kiss is what taught me how to play bass. That very first album, dropping the needle on that and playing, playing along with that album. That's how I learned how to play bass. Uh, fourth band uh, was a band that hardly anybody knew about, a band called UFO. Uh, back then in the early 70s, nobody had heard of them. And I'm not even sure how I ended up 
hearing, oh, I know how it was. There was a, a band at my high school that played at one of the dances and they played Shoot, Shoot. And I was like, holy crap, what is that song? So I went up and, you know, cornered them after the after the, the dance. And they said, I need to know what that song was. And they said, oh, it's by a band called UFO called Shoot, Shoot. And uh, I went out and got that album, Force It. Still my favorite UFO album. So there you go. Those are my four, uh, the four snob proof bands. If you don't like any of those, there's something wrong with you. I like them all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I would take any of those four over Boston. So. Yeah. Unfortunately, not all of them had really good first albums, but we'll, we'll, we'll. Well, that's something that Jeremy and I spoke about the other day. It's interesting how, and I think we're going to have to do somewhere down the road a follow-up to this and not do debut albums, but second albums by bands. Yeah. Because I think a lot of bands came into their own with their second album. Uh, Johan has a t-shirt of a band that comes to mind instantly, which is Rush. Absolutely. That's a perfect example. Yeah. Perfect example. Yeah. So, all right. So, Moving on here at 23. All of these were voted on by several people. So for me to say voted on by a bunch of people is going to be kind of redundant here. The warning by Queensryche. Who wants to take a stab at this one? I will if nobody else will. Well, I can say that they're going to play it in the entirety. So that's next year in the U.S. with Armored Mm -hmm. Saint for support. So I caved and the tickets weren't overly expensive. Another topic we often discuss here. And uh, I'm going to go. And because I think the new replacement singer does pretty well at Jeff Tate's old voices without using backing tracks, I think. And I know that back in the day they did, you know, the other album operation in its entirety. So now they're going to do this album. So fascinating. I think it's a good material. Um, When they've, this new replacement band has done this music from this album, it's gone over really well with me. So I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Well, here's my question. Will they dress up like they did for the original tour and, and video uh, during this new tour? Of course. They have to. <laughs> well, that was a funny thing when Armored Saint did uh, – I know you're not talking about them. But when they did their anniversary show for Metal Blade, they put on a bunch of fake wigs and they put on a bunch of chain mail and they got into the gimmick and they laughed about it amongst themselves and they took it off after the first song, which might have been March the Saint. I don't remember. Um, so that was kind of cool. So they made fun of themselves by doing that. The, but with Armor Saint, Gonzo hasn't changed. I don't know how the guy doesn't age and lose his hair over 40 years. Um, but everybody else kind of lost the hair for the most part. So um, I'll let you know. Uh, it's next year in March or something. Okay. You'll, you'll be seeing Armored Saint in March. March of the Saint? Yeah, yeah, I will. I think it's in March. <laughs> and I might go again in May. And uh, I'm not going to the UK. But back right. to you. So the, the band will march on without you. <laughs> All right, Brad, go ahead. The warning. Oh, I was going to say, when, when this uh, album came out, 
Um, I think it was my brother that hit me to it because he was living in L.A. at the time. And uh, KNAC, I think, was uh, the big station in 84. Am I right, Dan? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, KNAC. And uh, he, anyway, he told me, he says, hey, I heard this uh, song by this band, Queensryche. He said, you got you to gotta get the album. So, of course, I, um, I didn't have hardly any money back then. So I walked, walked on down to the record store, grabbed it, brought it back, threw it on. And I was like, holy crap, this is really, really good. Um, even the snob in me loved it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I got to see them on the, this tour. They were warming up for Kiss. It was the Animalized tour. And uh, they were incredible. I mean, they were so good. And I mean, especially the vocals. I mean, Jeff Tate back then was just so spot on. And I, Chris DeGarmo actually was the guy hitting a lot of the high notes, which I you know, didn't realize, um, you know, listening to the album. And they were just so good. They were so perfect as a unit. They played so well together and haven't played that well together since. What song did your brother recommend? Um, I, he, he didn't know any names. He just recommended getting the album. So okay. Take Hold of the Flame was the single. And I remember putting that on. And, of course, by today's standards, it's like, oh, yeah, that, that, yeah, that kind of I could see that being a single. Back then, I was like, holy crap, this is their single? Really? You guys, you guys are like just saying, hey, this is what we are, like it or not. And right. um, uh, I, I loved it. I loved everything about that album. Well, um, it, it made my top 10. First, first one here in my top 10. A song that uh, back in the old Talking Metal days that got played a lot was Walk in the Shadows, which is off of that album. Mm, that's actually the second album. That's right. Okay. My bad. That's all right. That's all right. That's the one you're thinking of as far as the outfits, too. <laughs> okay. All right. Moving on. I will shut my trap. Um, well, that's the show, folks. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right. At 22. Jimi Hendrix, are you experienced? I am not the biggest Hendrix fan. I appreciate what he did. I think he's a pioneer for rock guitar. Uh, but I cannot profess to be a, a huge fan. So anyone want to take this album on? Yeah, I um, I've, I didn't actually vote for this at all, um, but I've, I've, I do have a copy of it. My auntie gave me a copy. She bought it back in the day. I think it was released probably around when I was born at 66, 67, around then, I suppose. Um, and it's got some amazing songs on it. I mean, it's really, I think it's quite a tight album as well. You know, some of the Jimi Hendrix stuff later on, you know, especially the live stuff could go on and on and, you know, the guitar solos would be endless. But I think this one was, uh, you know, had some really sort of shorter tracks on it and, and the th you know, all the all the hits, really, that you know him for. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a great it's a great album. All right. Cool. Moving on to 20. <clears throat> I possibly may be the only fan of this album here. I did I miss one? I thought we were on 21. Uh, oh, yes, 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 yes. You're right. Thank you. <laughs> Not my day. All right. 21 is an album I know nothing about. I know the band. I know I know their Reptile-ish album, which is probably their biggest album because of a huge ballad that they had. 
So uh, perhaps uh, this is a band that's been on Yarg Metal a time or two, or if not, Jeremy can speak about it. But uh, the self-titled debut by the band from Florida. Florida. Um, it is Saigon Kick. Wow. Brad, anything on this one? Uh, I actually don't have a lot on that. Um, okay. You no, know, but yeah, I, I like what the, the Jason Beeler's doing now, though. So, okay. Go ahead. Come on, anybody here vote for this one? No, n- none of you guys did, but several okay. other people uh, did. Seems, yeah, I know Mark Striegel was really in love with this band, wasn't he? Well, it's interesting because this band was voted on by people that voted for a bunch of other <laughs> rock bands with a lot of melodies, which Saigon uh-huh. Kick is also known for. Uh, I don't want to give too much away. One of them is Cheap Trick, who mm. is one of the bands that was voted on, but we won't be discussing. But another band <laughs> we'll be discussing shortly, and I don't want to give that away. Okay. So, Jeremy, anything on Saigon Kick? No. Okay. <laughs> right. So see, no, right. Right. <laughs> I, I could have skipped over 21. <laughs> All right. So at number 20, it is over my shoulder over here. It is Pretty Hate Machine by Nine Inch Nails. This was an album that Initially, I thought, what in the name of Sam Hell is this? I remember somebody that uh, that I was in high school with brought this in. I remember my late girlfriend had seen them at Lollapalooza on the very first Lollapalooza. And all these people were talking about Nine Inch Nails. And I kept thinking of something that we referenced during the Iron Maiden show, how Bruce Dickinson said, you can't do heavy metal with keyboards. Trent Reznor took Depeche Mode and took metal and kind of fused it together. Um, he did it more so on the on the follow-up on the EP Broken, but this was definitely, to me, a landmark album because it broke open the floodgates for a lot of industrial hard rock and a lot of metal bands that came after. So this album belongs on here. Um, it did not make my top 10. It it was a late album that was pushed out of my top 10, more so because I like a lot of other music in their catalog more than this one, but I get why it's here and it does deserve to be here, in my opinion. So I don't know if anyone else wants to speak about this album, if anyone else is a fan of it. All right, moving on. <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, this is a very diverse Good. list of albums. So at um, 19, an album that has been reissued, I don't know how many times we've, we talked about this during our thrash special, but it is the debut by Megadeth. Killing is my business and business is good. Anthony, you're saying yes. Yeah. And you, Use the, the correct cover. 
I, I don't know. Was this on my list? I think it might have been. Um, no, I don't think it was, actually. I knew this would happen with this, that I would see albums come up that I'd go, oh, right, I forgot about that. Right. You know, because the first albums, it's very easy just to go through your favourite bands and pick their first album. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that's not their best album. Um, yeah, this is great. Uh, you know, I bought it at the time. I, if I'd have thought of it, I probably would have put it in there, but I t- didn't. <laughs> yeah. For a lot of people, the common theme was getting it down to 10 is hard because there's so many great debut albums. I mean, for me, I think I whittled it down today to like 15. And then, like you're saying, Anthony, as as I said, all right, this is my 10. I was like, oh, shit, well, what about this other album? Oh, what about this other album? I forgot about this one. So the list kept growing. I'm like, no, no, no I got I to gotta, I gotta get this done. So I understand what, what you mean. Anyone else on Megadeth? A great debut album. I bought it, of course, after I, I bought the P-Cells, but who's buying? So uh, typical. But uh, that one is good. Of it's it's a bit strange sounding, but um, yeah, good one. Even stranger after a bunch of solos got changed, but <laughs> it is what it is. All right, at uh, eighteen is the other band that I alluded to that uh, a lot of people that voted for Cheap Trick and Saigon Kick also voted for this band. And I have a feeling I know who's going to discuss this band more than anyone else. We have a resident expert on this band, and and this I'm thrilled that this band is here. It is at number, what did I say, uh, 18. King's X, Silent oh, Planet. Very good. Great. I'm happy to see it there. And it's a respectable position. (laughs) (laughs) Several people uh, voted for it, like I mentioned. Um, How how does this album, in your opinion, compare to what the band did after? And how important do you think it is in the grand scheme of things? This album, sort of uh, like most of these albums, it just laid the blueprint for what was to come it's i don't think it's their best album okay but it uh was very important album do you know what i mean it um and it sounded like nothing else at the time what was this 80 88 i think it was Mm, right could be uh so you got 88 and they're you know, down tuning, and it's. It was the first. I remember King was the first that. Dun, 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 dun. It was like I'd never heard a riff in kind of a drop D riff before, mm-hmm. and uh, it just stood out at the time. Um, you know, and they're hugely influential. It's a good album. They, you know, they. I think they've they did better albums as they went on, but this is. It has a few of their uh, live staples in it. Right. You know, it's, it's 
it's a really good album it's a strange weird sound as well it's a weirdly produced album but it's that's what another thing that makes it made it so unusual at the time the other thing with king's x2 is that as they were coming out with this and gretchen goes to nebraska and what happened after uh with the band it was interesting because you could see all types of hard rock and metal fans that were into this album and into the band because he started seeing their t-shirts on members of anthrax on members of pantera so you saw a lot of bands that were a lot heavier than them that were really into the instrumentation that were really into the melodies that the band brought forward so they were mixing a lot of things to the point where they probably don't get the credit that they should i know that a lot of people say Oh, well, they should have been bigger than than what they were. Yes, I agree with that. But at the same time, too, they were doing stuff that was unique at the time that, I mean, setting aside Galactic Cowboys and other bands that tried to be them to an extent, there were other bands that I think that they influenced in other ways. Um, so I, I agree with you, and I, I do think that this album should be there because – of its impact on the overall scene at the time. I think it made a lot of other bands kind of take notice and think about what they were doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, it was at a, a really transitional time, you know, it's like, this was how I remember getting into this and one, well, I got into Gresham first, but uh, I was aware of this album and hearing songs like Shot of Love and it was just so, it was so unusual. They really didn't know what to make of it until years later. Right. And it was like, this was coming on Garden, Faith No More. It was a real transitional time in rock music, you know. Yeah. Great time. I am a mostly fan of the band, and I was looking at this one. Somebody mentioned Nebraska, and that immediately triggered Gretchen Goes to Nebraska every time probably for me. Yeah, I've which, and I was trying to weigh to myself which is my favorite album, and I think this one is out of the side of plan my favorite King's X album as a whole. Uh, I knew about it when it first came out. I listened to it. The it's the bass tone of Doug's, probably the tone that if I wanted to be a bass player anywhere, I would want to do his with uh, the guitar and the bass, the way he's hooked up the two and made this sound. I dig it because um, the bass stands out. Uh, so that's probably my favorite album out of the whole thing. Um, they went and I saw them in the beginning. They were on tour with Fate's Warning. What a package. Fate's opening up for King's X in Orange County. Wow. Yeah, it was cool. What a time to be alive. Awesome. Great. Yeah, it's it's cool hearing all the all the bands that are getting thrown in there and uh, all the stuff that you mentioned, Anthony, I mean, it's very cool. I mean, it's obviously different shades of, of hard rock and metal. And I think it's, it's why that time period, late 80s, early 90s, and even throughout the 90s, a lot of people that poo-poo that stuff. It annoys me because I think that there's a lot of great stuff that was still going on at that time, really before a lot of music kind of became homogenized. You know, a lot of just like factory stuff being put together and just thrown out there on the radio. So anyway, we could 
talk about that for hours on end, but we're here to talk um, about debut albums. Well, keep it moving. Keep it moving. That's, <laughs> yeah, my producer's giving me the sign in the background to keep things rolling. Uh, 17. I think I know who's going to talk about this one. Diamond Head. Lightning Ooh. to the Nations. Mr. Weltman, I think that you probably have a word or two to say about this one. Yeah, yeah. I really, uh, really love Diamond Head. I always liked them from the start. I bought a couple of the singles when they first came out, and then uh, this album I sort of went back to a little bit because I think they produced it, you know, very early on, and, and there were very few copies originally. It's been re-released since, uh, re-sort of um, re produced and and also replayed you know by the current band it's got a lot of their hits on um it's influenced metallica as we know uh but it you know it had a very different sound in the sort of new wave of british heavy metal era than some of the other bands and they were sort of talked about as the next led zeppelin which kind of probably did them in really um because you know once you talk about that with a with any band that you know they're never going to reach that level um but they're a great live act and they still play a lot of the songs off this album now and i think it's great excellent anyone else on diamond head yeah i have to say that uh, it's an album i hadn't listened to till probably uh, last two years and mostly because of jeremy uh, talking about it and it it is really a good album a very very good album and i know recently uh, we were driving in the car and something off of this album came on and Nathan was with me and he said, Hey, is that Metallica? I said, good ears. It does sound like Metallica, doesn't it? Hmm. Curious. Yeah. So if you're, if you like Metallica and you don't have this album, uh, there's something wrong with you. So there you go. And for Edgar Winterson, who from cool. time to time is in the chat and says, Oh, the, uh, it's definitely an American list. This is going to be the second of three bands out of the UK mentioned. So coming in at number 16, you can say a lot of things about this album, who recorded it, who didn't record it, who was in the band, who wasn't in the band. But at the end of the day, never mind the bullocks. Here's the Sex Pistols. Uh. So who wants to who wants to tackle this one? I I can't say a thing about that album. Uh I didn't uh <laughs> vote for this one because I think I thought it was uh you know punk rock and outside the Cedars from Mars uh you know lane, but uh that album is Really good. Um, I didn't vote for it, but uh, that's a favorite. Along with if you, if you, if if we stay in that uh, genre, it's I mean Ramon's first album. So uh, good one. Uh, that's that's a really good first album. Subvision. Okay. I remember Subvision. Submission. Submission. Yeah, yeah it was. It's a great song. Yeah. So see that yeah. Brad busting out his uh, his punk cred. 
First, he tells us that he was in a um, a, a social distortion cover band, and now it turns out that he's schooling us on the Sex Pistols. Mm. Who would have known? Who knew? Who knew? There you go. Full of surprises. All right. At 15, an album that I am so happy is on here because time after time, Sean Richmond is in the chat. At least he was before. Sean voted for this one. Time after time, there's one person that is on screen who always votes for this band. And the planets have never aligned until now. At number 15, script for a jester's (laughs) tear from Marillion. Oh, Marillion. (laughs) No way. I'm very surprised it got this high. Even though. uh, Beat out the Sex Pistols, Marillion. Yeah, proper order. I'm sure my votes were quite high, probably nine or ten by me. I don't know. I can't remember. But, um, yeah, like, you know, what can I say? I love it. Love it. First album, and it's the first album I heard by them. And, uh, you know, that changed the course of my life. (laughs) How different was it for you compared to what you were listening to at the time? It was... Fairly different. Um, let me see. I probably bought it in '84. I think their second album was out. Uh, I bought it purely because it was a picture disc, and I didn't have a picture disc before, and it's got a kick-ass cover. <laughs> and I, I had heard "Garden Party." I think maybe "Top of the Pops." So I and I'd seen them in Krang, so that was the seal of approval. Like, okay, they're in Krang. I like whatever's in Kerrang. I'm going to like this. <laughs> so uh, I bought it and uh, put it on. Uh, I can, it was just so different. But back in those days, you know, you bought something, you had invested money in it. So right. I was going to listen to it over and over again. And that's the kind of music that that style of listening pays off. And by the time you're on your fifth listen and you're, 14 it's becomes everything yeah yeah absolutely i've i've had that discussion many times how the difference between streaming something to actually owning it where if you stream something and a lot of people at the first try you know they don't like it that's it they'll never give the album another shot but if you spent x amount of money on an album you're like i need to like this because i I invested money into this. Yeah, it, it becomes embarrassing. You know, oh my God, I spent a tenner on, well, I don't know what it was back then. I think yeah. it was like six pounds or something. I bought it in England. Um, so, like, you know, I wasted money. <laughs> I, I'm going to give it my best shot. Yeah, so there you go. Sean is saying that he is here. Sean, Anthony, you guys helped get this on the list. There's a few others that voted for it as well. So, uh, Jeremy, anything, uh, Marillion, uh, yeah, just that, that, that particular album has forgotten sons on it, which is an amazing yeah. song. I really love that song. I think it's Incredible. brilliant. 
Yeah. Plus, they were sort of, you know, they were a prog rock band, but they weren't so proggy as, you know, a band like Yes or whatever. They had really good melodies. They had proper songs that you could really get your teeth into. And I think that's why they became really successful. So it took on the Genesis vein, you know, at the time and pushed it on in a different direction. That, that's that, the amazing voice by Fish. Incredible. Which, which is probably why they, they rumored that Fish was going to be the one replacing Phil Collins for how long in, in Genesis, and that never ended up happening. Hmm. Yeah. You know, in, interesting thing here. This album charted seven in the UK. In Sweden, it was 40, 42 was as high up as it got in the charts. In the U.S., 175. There you go. <laughs> Not bad. That's why we didn't know anything about it, okay? I mean, it just it just it didn't make any waves over here. But this as it probably This did. album was huge. Like it was Yeah, seven. Yeah. I mean, that's that yeah. is huge. Like this is their first album and on this tour they were doing like what three nights in Hammersmith Odeon or something and they were oh, wow. second mm. on the bill at Reading Festival. Like that's I know in England, they like to jump on new bands, but they really, they really were big. Yeah, but also because it was the style of band. I mean, this is a country where Pink Floyd are a massive band, you know. So if you you've got a lot of people who like that kind of music, very proggy rock, you know, and have a there's a real tradition of it here. Yeah, that, that's a good. That's a very good point, Jeremy. The a lot of people, I think, forget about that. Forget about the fact that with how huge Pink Floyd is that they're actually a very proggy band and we're used to hearing them on the radio all the time on rock radio anyway. So uh, Sean is saying that he has the the picture disc as well. All right. So. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Go on. Go, go, go ahead. What were you saying, Anthony? No, I was just saying I still have it. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, all right, so at 14, an American band, but it was voted on mostly by people that are in the UK or Ireland. So uh, <laughs> this, this is kind of interesting. <laughs> so uh, at 14, we have the self-titled debut by Montrose. Uh. So I, I found know, that it wasn't me. Yeah, well, there, there were other people that that voted for this, and I was like, "Wait a second, California band," and um, the the world's introduction to uh, Sammy Hagar as well. But uh, Jeremy, you had this on your list. Yeah, it's uh, it's the only Montrose album that is actually worth listening to. That's the first thing to say, because after that, they, they didn't produce anything particularly great. But it actually has quite a few of the, you know, the staples that Sammy Hager went on to, uh, you know, to, to play in his, uh, you know, in his solo career. And, you know, it's got Rock the Nation on it. It's got Bad Motor Scooter. It's got Space Station number five. And, um, and it's got I Got the Fire as well. So it's... Um, no, 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 no. I got the fires off the second album, Paper Money. Sorry, you're right. Yes, I stand yeah. corrected. Yeah, yeah I went too far. But anyway, I, I, I have played almost every one of these songs off this album in a, in a band at one time or another. So, yeah, I know there this album go. backwards and forwards. So, yeah, it's a great album. Yeah, I think it's a really rocking album. It's good. 
Yeah. Yeah. Rock Candy was one of the first songs I learned to play on the bass, actually. So. All right. Anyone else on Montrose? All right. It's a great album. If you don't own it, you need to get it. <laughs> the next one yeah. I think is going to throw a wrench in a lot of people's works here. But this this was another band where a spanner. I can I can remember hearing their first single and thinking, "What the hell is this garbage?" And I remember getting up for work every morning at four o'clock in the morning and MTV was playing the video for this. And I'm thinking, first of all, it was one of the only videos that they were playing. It was the only rock like video. So after about a week of hearing this song every day, it started getting in my head and I got into the band. So um, I think that this is a huge landmark album as well. It is the self-titled debut by another California band, this time out of Bakersfield. Corn. Corn. <laughs> How'd you know that, Brad? Well, because how many bands are out of Bakersfield? <laughs> uh, there's a few, but they're the really. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I think they, they opened the door for for a bunch of others. Okay. All right. Are, are you versed in corn, uh, Brad? No. No, no I, I just eat it once in a while. Okay. <laughs> I, I was I was thinking maybe you were going to all of a sudden surprise us and say that you detune like Fieldy and sometimes decide to play with the bass down at around the level of your shins. No, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I kind of have a little respect for him being different and everything as far as his tone and that, but yeah, that's nothing I've stri- strived for in my bass playing. Okay. Yeah. This album, yeah. uh, really much set the table for new metal brought in aspects of, uh, hip hop and rap that were being used and they actually, used instruments to do a lot of the effects that people were doing in samples and using keyboards and stuff like that uh, was really eye-opening for, for a lot of people. They started a movement. I think like every other movement in any genre of music, I think the, you know, the waves A and B are usually pretty good. Once you get to levels, you know, waves D, E, F, things start to suck and beyond that. It's just horrible. But uh, I think that, again, another band that marked a before and after with uh, with what they did. So at 12, I think you could say something similar about this band, specifically given what a monumental unit they were. And I think with them carrying on the name and the band to this day with two main components missing is definitely driving that point home for me. Jeremy, we spoke about them the other day. (laughs) Ah, it is queen. Mm. So, uh, let's, let's see here. Queen is a band that, Jeremy and I talked about the other day at length. We talked about their whole catalog, uh, which is similar to what we discussed before, where maybe their 
in Queen's case, it probably wasn't until their third or fourth album where they kind of came into their own. But I don't think you can deny the power that the band had, what Freddie's voice was like. What Freddie's voice is the when they people say that the voice is another instrument. Freddie's voice was another instrument. It was something very different, especially at that time, what they did with layering his vocals, what they did with a lot of different things. Whether you want to talk about, oh, well, they were just a, a pop rock band. Listen to the Prophet song off of this. It, it, it has some pretty heavy riffs on there. Listen to Modern Times Rock and Roll, which is something that maybe could go ahead and um, influence stuff like Metallica afterwards. We know that they did Stone Cold Crazy, but a song like Modern Time Rock and Roll, which had Roger Taylor on vocals, is a fast, straight-ahead, two-minute song. So I think that it uh, it opened doors and changed a lot of things as well. It wasn't them. They hadn't perfected the recipe yet, but it was, it was a great starting point. Uh, anyone else want to mention something about this album? All right, uh, let's see. Uh, Sean is chiming in in the chat. He is saying, got the Megadeth on picture disc with the cover shown by Victor. All right, I've seen that before, actually. He's saying he never heard of Montrose. And uh, he didn't expect the Queen album on here. But I do have it and like it. This album, surprise, surprise, especially from uh, a bunch of journalists that uh, chimed in, actually voted for this one. Hmm. I don't need to listen to it. You ha- you've never heard this? The first Queen album? Yeah. No, parts of it, but not the whole thing. Okay. Have you seen Queen in a closet somewhere? Uh, no, but <laughs> I remember in the mid-70s when they, when they came out, there were people like, hey, you got to listen to these guys, and I probably you know, would put on a what album? And I was just like, eh, I don't know. It's just not, it's not grabbing me. It's not doing it for me. So, uh, of course, that was during my snobby time. As I was going to bring up that snobbish period. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you really had to work hard to break through to me in the in <laughs> my teenage years. All right. So, um, moving forward to number eleven, a band that. Um, a lot of people associate with being from down under, but their mm. roots are in the UK. Is is there any actual member of ACDC that is from Australia who, who wasn't actually born in the United Kingdom? So at uh, number 11, it think- is high voltage from ACDC. It was a uh, was Bond born in Australia? I'm not sure. I can't remember. I thought he was born in Scotland. I think Scotland. he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the the Youngs were anyway. Yeah. Mm. He's born in the United Kingdom in Orfar. Mm. So, um, all right. Anyone want to talk about high voltage? Yeah, sure. Uh, High voltage is uh, amazing. It's it's amazing how many times you can listen to it <laughs> and not get bored of it. 
Um, I've discovered that when the, in the early years of my son, <laughs> my first son, we used to listen to it a lot. Um, yeah, so look at it. What more can you say? ACDC. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> Anyone else? Isn't the high voltage album also TNT? Is that there's a that they brought out the two at the same time, don't they? In different parts of the world, and there's a couple of tracks that are different or whatever. There's a, well, some... the, the 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 high voltage that we now know to be high voltage was a mixture of the cover, the high voltage that Victor just put up, and TNT. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it, and it uh, was not released in the U.S. until I don't know how many years later. A, a lot of the early ACDC, I, I think, war, um, I think uh, nothing before Dirty Deeds was released in the States until Dirty Deeds came out, until Dirty Deeds hit the radio and became big. That's when, and even the... Um, 74 jailbreak ep that was released in the 80s that was that was never released in the u.s in in the 70s so Mm. all right the oh sorry no go ahead go ahead no like the 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 high voltage that we know and love now it's the mixture of the two albums and it's it's better than the original version but it's not their first. This wasn't their debut, so right. There's a technicality there. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I think we should throw it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So at number ten, we have another band from California, originally from Huntington Beach, I think. Let's find out. Let's Damn find out. I, I could be wrong. Although, their drummer is from Denmark. <laughs> Ooh. So at 10, Kill Em All, Metallica. Johan, anything on Kill Em All? Never heard it. Nah. <laughs> 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 Actually, I think that it's a proper uh, placing of that album. It's a classic, of course, but uh, uh, there are so many good albums in front of that album. So, uh, but Kill 'Em All is good. <laughs> I would say uh, from now on, or from it's all. 10 out of 10 albums, I guess. So, uh, let's hope so. What? Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's see if everyone agrees on that. As, uh, yeah, as we it move should, it, it should be. Yeah. These, these all got voted, um, from, from, from the Queen album up, 12 up are the ones that got the bulk of all the voting. They all appeared, or not all of them, but most of these albums appeared on everyone who voted's list. 
At least one of them appeared someplace. Yeah. All right. Uh, Okay, so anyone else on Kill 'Em All? All right, moving on then. At number nine, an album that reintroduced somebody to the world of music. I think a lot of people thought he was down and out. And then he pondered upon or found someone who's known for polka dots and bow ties and vests. And Brad knows exactly who I'm talking about. It is Ozzy Osbourne, Blizzard of Oz, the cacophony of Ozzy with Randy Rhodes brings us to number nine. Brad, this to you was your uh, was your number one. It's my number one. What yeah, made this one for you? The, this album is, I mean, not only was it huge and it still lives today. I mean, so many of those songs, you, you can barely go throughout a, a day anywhere in public and not hear Crazy Train. Uh, so, I mean, not just for, I mean, but for me personally, this album, I mean, it saved, it saved Ozzy. And I think it really did a lot for music at that time for metal and for making it much more popular and probably helping a lot of other bands along the way. Uh, Cause I mean, let's face it, man, when Ozzy was kicked out of Sabbath, I don't know that anybody really expected him to do anything. Mm-hmm. And this album is just, when I again dropped the needle on this thing, I was like, "Holy crap, this is something special!" And uh, the the album is. That's why it was my number one. I, I think it. I I've listened to it a lot, and still love it. And I think it, you know, for so personally for me, it's it's number one. But I think you throw in the the historical aspect of it and what it did for music, what it did for Ozzy, uh, what it didn't do for. Uh, Bob Daisley <laughs> and Lee Curse, like, uh, but it's uh, it's a great album. So that's why it ended up number one for me. Yeah, and and I also think that a lot of people always talk about how much of an influence Tony Iommi had on oh. Sabbath, but yeah. I think Randy Rhodes has a huge influence on what players did afterwards. Uh, I think yeah, it's a shame, obviously. Shame for, not, for not mentioning that either, because, I mean, I know so many people that have named their kids after Randy, uh, you know, some aspect of that. And, and uh, well, guitar players. I mean, the, one of the guys I'm playing with tomorrow night, you you saw his one guitar. That uh, I mean, Well, he actually has quite a quite an armory there with Jackson V's and uh, custom-made Randy V's, so... I mean, yeah, there's hard to find a lead guitar player who's not influenced by Randy Rhodes. And this album. Uh, this album is, is huge. Uh, again, huge. I think that th- this album, uh, especially you listen to uh, Revelation Mother Earth, that whole acoustic intro. I think if you talk to uh, Eric Peterson of uh, Testament, Kirk Hammett, you know, a lot of these thrash players that started incorporating 
acoustic passages in their songs as intros. You know, you think of a song like Battery by Metallica. I think it's directly influenced by Randy and 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 that specific track. So all right. Moving on. At number eight. It is the self-titled debut by Kiss. Anthony Mackie is laughing. <laughs> Much to his chagrin. It had to happen. <laughs> I I almost made this my number one just for my personal like like I said, it's the album that taught me to play bass. And uh but yeah, you guys have listened to me enough today. So anybody else want to talk about this album? No? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a fantastic album. There's, there's some really cracking songs on it. There's wow. songs in there that, you know, the uh, the band play regularly in their set list. It was released, what, in 74? So it's, a, yeah, it's quite an old album. <clears throat> and um, it's, you know, it's a, I think it's just fantastic. I think it's one of their best albums, to be honest. And I often read about this album by people critics who, who say oh it's not their best album you have to wait they they got much better in the in the later career but if you go back and listen to it it really sets the stall out as what kiss was at the time you know the the songs are just very catchy uh and it's got probably my favorite song that opens it up shutter which is just amazing that's a great song hmm. yeah. yeah to to your point uh, when uh, somebody posted um, their top 10 Kiss albums and they were asking for people to to vote on it or, or whatever, they mentioned Alive as their number one. And I said, that's kind of a bullshit move. I'm like, you're picking yeah. a live album as your favorite Kiss album? Well, that's when they came into their own and you know this sounds more true to them. I said, okay, fine. And I get it that they re-recorded the album in the studio, but the original blueprint is on the, you know, on the self-titled debut, as, as you're saying, Jeremy, songs like Strutter and Deuce and Black Diamond, you know, these are songs that they played all the way up until the end. And to me, they're, they're cool songs. I mean, I think Deuce is one of the greatest things they ever did. So, yep. There's, you know, and and at the end of the day, I think you either get it or you don't. And that's that's cool too. So that's fine. Uh number seven, moving on, a band that has borrowed a lot from KISS over the years. A tremendous amount. From makeup to saying that they were never gonna do meet and greets to platform shoes to everything else. Not everything, but a lot of stuff. Too Fast for Love by Motley Crue. And this is funny because when I mentioned this to somebody, they said, you know, a lot of bands have put out great debut albums. Well, Motley Crue didn't. And I'm thinking, are you serious? Uh, you know, my, my first train of thought was, okay, yeah, I get it that you might say that Shout at the Devil is better. But I would have a, a hard time positioning anything else that they've done over Too Fast for Love. 
I listened to this album recently, and as raw and as undercooked as the album is, it's part of the beauty of this album. And it has great melodies on it. It's got Mick Mars doing some fucking ridiculous guitar solos on it. The band is on fire. Nikki was literally on fire on stage. But, uh, you know, this is this was such a statement made by this band. And that's why I always have a hard time with them bitching about, oh, oh so many bands copied us after. Well, you guys kind of copied yourselves and kind of became a parody of what you were because they never touched these first two albums again, in my opinion. It's just my dumb opinion, but there's just something raw and magical about this album. It's the perfect storm. It was a perfect launching pad. So uh, anyone else want to say something about Too Fast for Love? Yeah, I think yeah, I could. Uh, sorry, Brad. Uh, no. I, um, I bought uh, "Shout of the Devil" first. Right. It was the, you know, my "Shout of the Devil" is magical. But when I heard this album, uh, I was a bit confused <laughs> at the first couple of listenings. But after that, it was. I think it's a that's a that's a real debut album. It's simple and it's raw and it's uh, the recording is I don't know bad to say in lack of another word. But um, I mean, it's uh, the melodies are so good um, and. We all we we all have read uh, the dirt, so I think it's uh, yeah, it's a soundtrack of a time that most of us love. So uh, it's a great album. And by the way, Live Wire is uh, that's a great heavy metal tune. Always, yeah. I think everyone can agree on that. So yeah. That's that on that. Thank you, Brad. Go ahead. No, uh, Johan. Johan said, said it all, man. I, yeah, I. It's it's a landmark album. It really is. Uh, I mean, and, and look at all the stuff to follow those guys coming out of L.A. and other places too. I mean, they they were hugely influential. But and you're right, Victor. They uh, stole almost everything from somebody else but they used that to kind of put together something that was at least at the time original. Right. Agreed. Anthony, what were you going to mention? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Other than this is Head and Shoulders, they're, a, they're my favorite album. Instead of saying their best album, it's, uh, you know, I think I did vote for this because basically what you've everyone has already said in terms of debut albums it's it it, it stands out yeah it, it was your 10 actually okay yeah so a yeah. band from the other side of the pond and also man this album this album is is huge 
But I think the opposite of Motley Crue, I think what came after this kind of, uh, this was, this first album set the blueprint and the band really exploded afterwards, in my opinion. Exploded like the album cover, I should say. Led Zeppelin with what we all know now as Led Zeppelin 1. Anyone? Led Zeppelin 1. Somebody must have voted for it. <laughs> I, I didn't vote for it, but I did buy it that's, you know, um, quite early on, not when it was when it first came out. And I liked the bluesy sounds on it. You know, they did a lot of blues in the early days. And you could tell the class that they had in on this album. I mean, it possibly isn't their best album, but it's um, you know it's got some great songs on it and shows the quality that they've got. You know, and the sort of technical prowess of Jimmy Page. Um, so it's it's certainly up there. And I think probably if I'd have been around at the time it came out when it when it was actually released and was really into it then, and I was you know in my twenties then, um, I probably would have been blown over by it because you know if you think about the sort of stuff that was getting released around that time it probably was you know one of the better better releases so just so you guys realize the magnitude of this u.s radio to this day still plays and this is every single day these Mm -hmm. songs get played on terrestrial radio good times bad times Babe, I'm going to leave you. You shook me. Dazed and confused. Your time is going to come. Black Mountain side. Communication breakdown. And from time to time, you'll hear how many more times. That's like the one that gets popped in and out. So outside of one song, which is uh, I Can't Quit You, Baby, the rest of this album gets played Every day on U.S. radio. Dan, go ahead. And every day that it does come on, I change the channel and find something <laughs> else to listen to. <laughs> so I want to say one other thing. I didn't use Rolling Stone magazine to come up with my top ten list. Okay. Ooh. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I will say this, Dan. Yours is one of the most diverse. And and you'll see when I post the full list, you'll see that there's a lot of different stuff out there. The thing is, like I said, 12 through 1 got a lot of votes. So um, I, I think close to what you're saying, with Zeppelin, up to... What, Houses of the Holy, maybe? Almost every single song gets played on the radio. Uh, I mean, it's one of the reasons why we stopped listening to terrestrial radio where I worked. Because Zeppelin, Aerosmith, ACDC, Ozzy, Van Halen. We didn't want radio to ruin these bands for us. Because Rush was another one, actually, as well. We didn't want... Radio to ruin the bands for us. So we decided that we wouldn't listen to the radio anymore. But I, I get what you're saying, Dan. Now I can listen to Zeppelin once a year 
I get my fill and then it's okay. Let's put it away for another 365 days. It's a formula that they use. It's obviously some sort of success. I've taken part in radio <clears throat> listening party of what we should listen to and give my opinion. And they paid me whatever money to participate, but I'm sure I was useless because I don't feel like everybody else that I've already heard those songs enough time that I'd, I'd like to hear something different and something new. And um, yeah, you know. It is, it is called the Abrams Report. It is the stupidest fucking thing that was ever invented. The Abrams Report are the 50 songs that are recommended that you should play every single day on radio. Eagles Hotel California. Oh yes. Uh. <laughs> so we could we could we could come up with the 50 quickly because it's it's the same damn songs and it's been the same songs since the late 80s. How many Fleetwood Mac songs are on that list? Oh my god, it's fucking maddening. Journey. <laughs> Must be a few journey. Hey, this finally got a little bit of light. Did I put a spark in this shit? (laughs) (laughs) Fleetwood Mac, the Eagles, Jackson Brown. Um, It's 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 shit that I think makes it rain every every time that these songs are played. I mean, it's and 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 I'm gonna bust this out quickly, but Mr. Mark Striegel, we would always have these discussions off air. He'd be like, "You like the Eagles, don't you?" No, I don't. You don't? Like, no, I fucking hated hearing, you know, the same ten Eagles songs on the radio every day. It was one of one of the only rock songs that my ex-wife liked was "Desperado" by the Eagles. She'd play it all the fucking time. It drove me nuts. So. <laughs> My my counterpunch to that was playing Crush by Anthrax all the time, which she hated. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving forward at number five, the self-titled debut of an album that um, scared the shit out of a lot of people, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Brad is laughing because it's probably one of the albums most heard in his house. At least uh, CEO Dave plays it all the damn time. Still oh, today. Yeah. It is the uh. self-titled debut by Black Sabbath. <sighs> I played too often on uh, the Sirius XM Ozzy's Boneyard with Striegel that I'm getting for free right now is this shit and I could rather hear the Ronnie stuff than that and they just they replay the same thing over and over wow yeah it that, that what Sirius has become and thankfully I stopped subscribing years ago because it's become terrestrial radio it, it has I mean it's you're paying to hear the same shit that you hear on regular radio all the time but uh, anyway who, who wants to speak to uh, – go ahead, Brad. I, I just have to say that on Yard Metal, we have a Black Sabbath song coming up in four songs, and it's Falling Off the Edge of the World. Mm. There you and go. And I think there's, Jeremy's introducing the song. 
So yeah, if you want to hear a, a very passionate Jeremy talking about this song, when we're done, switch over to Yardman. <laughs> Jeremy, are you getting that royalty check? Because Brad keeps telling me that mine is in the mail, but I've I've yet to see it. He's tell he's telling me Jeremy's is in the mail too, but I keep hearing that they're on strike over there. <laughs> my, my lawyers have sent a cease and desist letter immediately to stop him playing my track. <laughs> <laughs> Johan, you raised your hand. Go ahead. Yeah. Just wanted to say that in the 80s in Sweden, early 80s, uh, we were still like DDR here. Uh, and uh, when when I bought that album, it was uh, because of the album cover. It was scary and it was uh, mystical. And when I put on the record... I thought it was, uh, I needed some time to like that record when I was, you know, around 13, 14. And I liked Motley Crue on the side, but uh, it took me perhaps two or three listenings to that album. Uh, and I loved it. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's so good, and it's uh, it's so such a nice rock album, and it it I don't know about you guys, but I think it's the cover and the songs are matching together. It's it's one of those albums, so it has earned its place on the top of the bill. Okay. Yeah, and you have to remember that this album came out, was it 1970? So I was like three years old when this came out and didn't obviously didn't hear it when it first came out. It was much, much later. And, um, you know, it scared me to shit. I mean, I was absolutely scared to shit when I heard it. I must have been probably 10 years old. And somebody brought it, you know, looked at the cover and then they played that first track, uh, you know, really loud as well. And I just thought, fucking hell what is this? Either I'm going to get into this kind of music or I'm just going to hate it. But I actually like the sound of it. And NIB, I think, on the album is, uh, you know, amazing riff. And, you know, there's just a few, three or four songs on that album where you just thought that is absolute class. Some of the other songs were not so good. And, you know, they, they sort of got better, didn't they? You know, I'm paranoid. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was incre- it's an incredible debut, really, if you think about it, because it's very different to anything else that was out there at the time. There were no Dancing with Girls to uh, Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. <laughs> 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 All right. So at number four, another band out of California, a band that I think uh, with this album – we thought that we would be getting 10, 15, 20 albums out of them. And to date, we've gotten four without counting a covers album. It is Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. Another huge album that I remember this came out. And I've told this story a million and one times, probably as many times as Sweet Child of Mine has been played on the radio. When this came out, I mean, that was that was and still is my automatic skipper on the album. 
um, is sweet child of mine. But I remember telling everyone here, they're going to be big. No, they're not going to be big. They've got all this profanity. They've got this. They've got that. And sure as shit, I came back from vacation here and sweet child of mine was everywhere. It was nauseating. But um, anyway, I love the rest of the album. I mean, I still listen to it from time to time, more so the deeper cuts than the actual singles because the singles have been played to death. But I get why it got voted so high. Uh, anyone else want to mention something about Appetite for Destruction? I uh, I don't like uh, that album. <laughs> okay. No. No. I I I and it's an honest loves, opinion. He loves. No. Uh, no. I. I, I have never listened. I, I don't own it, and I. Uh, it's not my. I don't know. It's a good album now. I can understand, but back then, no. And now, no, no. That's not my band. <laughs> okay. Fair, fair I, sorry to say, but it's not my band. No, that's that's. that's I'm very honest about that. Uh, so, no. But I'm I'm <laughs> I know that I'm uh, that uh, a lot of people don't agree with me right now. But no. no, no. I think there's a lot of people that actually do agree with you because uh, Axl Rose is an acquired taste. I do think, even though I enjoy it, I know that there are a lot of people that do not like his voice or his attitude. But. Um, um, Dan, this yeah, we we can agree to disagree. It's okay. It, it it's a perfect album for me. But then I grew up in it. I knew when it was coming out. I was here in the Hollywood area when the scene was what it was. Uh, so that's all we heard. Not all my friends even liked this band, this album. So they could be in a different stuff. But I, it's a perfect album. It's the way it's mixed. It's the way if you listen to it on headphones. You hear um, each guitar in each year, and you can hear different things of going on, and I like that. It was, you know, mixed different. I wish other bands had done that. And, yeah, I, I thought that there was more to come from this greatness of this album, and then it, it, it all went downhill. So to say, you know, a, a top ten debut album, and then it kind of all went downhill from there, That this is a good example of that. And what he's done now is ruined his, not his legacy, but it's a shame Axel's voice is not what it is and he can't do it without help. What's that? Mm. Okay. And the, and the, the, the current songs are not nowhere near as good. I mean, if you look at this album, then there's a, probably about six tracks on there that are absolute classic songs. And, and to be on that one album, you know, the debut album is incredible. I, when, I remember when it came out, and a friend of mine played it to me, and I just thought it was, you know, really, really classy sounding, uh, you know, hard rocking album that I had not heard anything like it at that particular time. And I just thought you could just tell this band was going somewhere, even if they didn't produce, you know, so many great albums afterwards. They just became massive, didn't they? 
Yeah. And quite, uh, you know, quite deservedly so, in my opinion. They're still massive, and you can argue that that's really just because of one album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're almost the definition of a band that is living off their first album. Yep. <laughs> like, and we're like all the people here are probably of an age where we witnessed this album and this band getting big. Like, I was certainly into this album when it was just a few people knew about it, you know. Mm. I don't know. Not saying I was into them first or anything, but right, but they certainly were listening to this album before it was big, and witnessed them getting bigger and bigger and becoming enormous, and mm. and then and then producing albums that weren't as good. <laughs> but they, but they made a mistake. They shouldn't have done Use Your Illusion one and two. They should have just compacted it into one album and picked the best tracks. And if they'd have done that, they may have had a much better career out of it because they would have had a really good second album. Yeah, but it, it's like the first album was so big, so quickly, that their heads just got fucked up and, and they made stupid decisions. Like, uh. you know, so they're... Like of, of all the bands, like who are, like I'm sure, how many songs from this are they still playing? Hmm. Probably the majority of the set, of their set. Yeah, 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 and and the stuff they're producing now is absolutely dreadful compared to that, compared to this debut album. I mean, it's, it, it, you wonder if they can actually make a proper rock song. <laughs> You know, the, the amazing thing is they're one of the few rock bands that can still headline a stadium and, and sell mm. sell all the tickets. Yeah. yeah, It's incredible, really based with just one album. Yeah, it's a yeah. legacy thing, isn't it? It's just it and also because of their, their characters as well, and also because of Slash. Slash carries them a lot. Yeah, but you, you look at Slash on his own, he's not packing, he's not playing big places in America anyway. Hmm. I mean, him, yeah. when his solo band comes out, they're playing uh, kind of larger clubs here. Right. They're quite yeah, big I mean, over here. He, he, he fills out, you know, decent-sized places here. Anyway, we're going off topic a little bit. But <laughs> that's all right. I, they're, they're an enigma to me. I mean, the fact that you, know, you can have one really big first album and yet have a whole career without doing anything else great and still be huge. It's unbelievable what they've done. Mm. I don't think you can say there's any other band like that. No, no. Yeah, my my intro to them was Cowbell and that first uh, chord in Night Train. Night Train. Yeah. Night Train. That's my <laughs> that favorite was, song. Of that was, I remember Eddie Trunk played it, and I was like, what the hell is this? It was it was so different, and that's when, you know, he would play Night Train. He played it for a few subsequent weeks on his show. And then, um, then I heard "Welcome to the Jungle," and then I had a friend who um, wanted to borrow my "Number of the Beast" uh, single, and mm-hmm. he says to me, "Is there anything that uh, that you want to borrow of mine?" And his favorite band was Striper. I said, "What do you have that isn't Striper?" <laughs> I, I got this tape by this. Band Guns N' Roses. I'm not sure if I like them or not. I said, oh, that's that Night Train b- band. I'm like, yeah, I want to hear that. 
so that's that's how I that's how I uh, got turned on to them. And and just to answer your question, so in their last show they played a little over a month ago. Uh, let's see. So they played "It's So Easy," "Bad Obsession," "Chinese Democracy," "Slither," which is a Velvet Revolver song, "Mr. Brownstone," "Pretty Tied Up," "Welcome to the Jungle," "Hard School," "Reckless Life," "Absurd," "Estranged," "You Could Be Mine," "Perhaps," "The General," "Live and Let Die," "Knocking on Heaven's Door," "Rocket Queen," "Anything Goes," "Double Chalk," "Double Talking Jive," uh, "Civil War." Now that's uh, Slash's solo, Sweet Child of Mine, November Rain, Patience, Don't Cry, Coma, Night Train, and Paradise City. So out of 20 songs, eight are off of this album. Mm. Yep. It's incredible. (laughs) So anyway. And and nobody's standing up during the rest of those songs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just think a chance to go get beer and go to the bathroom during a Guns N' Roses show. And we only bought their uh, a friend. They came to our attention because they covered Rose Tattoo on their first TP. So I was like, oh, oh this yeah. is a band that's covering Rose Tattoo. Cool. <laughs> right. And I think, isn't there uh, a whole lot of Rosies on that as well? Is yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. All right, so number three, a band that this show knows a thing or two about. Hmm, could it be Armin? <laughs> <laughs> so stay on the middle fingers, come on. Yeah, if, if you hadn't let all these other people vote, Victor, this would have been number one. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, you know, that's funny. I didn't think of that. Uh, it's true. Yeah, do do the numbers again with just the patrons, <laughs> and I guarantee Iron Maiden will be number one. I I don't know because the number two kind of surprised me. Number one, um, number one, I had a hard time not making it my number one, but okay. it was high for me as well. The 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 top three are, are there on my. A lot of these are on my list. For God's sakes. Uh, anyway. Okay. We talked about Iron Maiden at length last week. We voted for Iron Maiden. Um, anyone else want to add anything about the self-titled debut by Iron Maiden that wasn't discussed last week? Dan, you weren't here. Anything you want to say? No? Okay. So, Brad, you're probably right. It would probably be number one if it was just the patrons. Yeah. All right. Number two. We're talking about picture discs. There is a picture disc over here. And it is the number two album. It has Murray on the cover with a priest. Wow. Dio, holy diver. I did not expect this to be that high. It was my number two. A lot of people voted this number one and number two. My number one. You're number one. So Johan's not wrong. Johan, holy diver. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, Sean. Sean's right. 
I mean, when it came out, it was uh, here in Sweden. It was uh, a really big hit. Everyone liked it, both you know, girls and boys, and it was a good cover. And uh, the song "Holy Diver" was you know, kind of a hit uh, for me. Uh, it was the song Stand Up and Shout. <clears throat> it was amazing and still is today. Best opening song to a concert to this day. <clears throat> so um, that album is, I mean, he, I feel like uh, Ronnie saved up to release that uh, album. So, um, Oh, that was a good one. And like the the climate of the world in the 80s, that cover was uh, a bit, even here in Sweden, a bit, you know, it was a, it, it was a tough cover. I can only imagine how it was in, <laughs> in, in USA. So uh, uh, it's, uh, I, I think... Uh, that's that is a really good album cover wise and song wise thank you okay brad anything to add to that johan said it all i i think i mean we've talked about do before and it, this album is just it's it's a landmark album for our genre of music and it's mm. just remarkable that he would be again out of Black Sabbath, my top two albums were guys that had just left Black Sabbath and did albums, and uh, just unbelievable how that worked out. So plus, plus yeah. you had Black Sabbath on the list as well, so you kind of covered now, all bases. If it wasn't for this album, we, you know, the world wouldn't really know much about Ronnie James Dio. I mean, this 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 album propelled him, and he, unlike GNR, he followed it up with other good albums too. So it wasn't that he only had one good album. He's had an incredible career. Think of think of the streak. Heaven and Hell, Mob Rules, Holy Diver, and Last in Line. Yep. Mm. Yeah, how, many, how many bands alone, not just one artist, can string four monumental albums in a row like that? Ah, you, you, sorry, Victor. I have to jump in there. But long live rock and roll, rising, and uh, rainbow uh, yeah. debut album. So, so there you go. Even you, we yeah, streak even more. So that's like seven seven albums you just mentioned right there. If we combine everything, so I mean, think about that. What other band has done that? Maybe Iron Maiden with their first through seventh son. Are there many more artists that have strung a bunch of strong albums like that together? I mean, that was the funny thing that came out later with uh, Vivian not getting paid. As Ronnie said, I did all this music, all this great run of albums. I never got paid. I finally got to Holy Diver and I got paid. Fuck Vinny, and he can't have his money. That's how I yeah. took it. <laughs> wow. Good one, Dan. Anthony, was there any special attention 
uh, with this album in Ireland because Vivian was Irish or is mm. Irish? Uh, I don't remember that being a, a thing. Um, okay. We Everyone knew he was Vivian from Sweet Savage. Um, no, no, I don't think he got any particular... I, see, this album was... A, and a, a lot of metal at the time was underground music here. Okay. And uh, like this, this was a big underground record, you know, but uh, you know, it wouldn't have been, it wasn't news or it wasn't, uh, you know, people didn't know who Dio were. Uh-huh. Okay. Like you might as well, like people wouldn't have known, people would have known who, Twisted Sister were maybe, but not mm-hmm. Dio. Okay. How can that wait? Oh, is that going to be our number one? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're about to find out here. Con- considered by some the greatest American band of all time. Is it Kansas? <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Kansas. Brad, this is, I, had, I, I had to do that for you, Brad. You thank you, thank you, Victor. This is going to be a running gag for me from now on. Yes. Ever since that, <laughs> yes. that that guy on the the ghost cult thing suggested that Kansas might be the greatest American rock band ever, I I I'm like. What are you drinking? What are you smoking? What the hell is going on over there? I mean, <laughs> anyway. well, you, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Victor. You made my night. Brad, Brad sent me just for those of you that don't know this. Jeremy's the only other person that I mentioned this to. Um, Brad sends me his list the other day. And Kansas is number one. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, He's he's got to be fucking with me. There's no way that Brad yes. voted Kansas number one. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm being cordial. I write back. I say thank you for your list. Cool artists, whatever you know. Um, and then ten minutes later, I get another message. So you ready for me to give you my real number one? <laughs> 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 so I'm thinking, all right, perfect. I'm like, thank I'm you. Not, I, uh, yeah, you know, I'm not going to let that go. That's yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, at number one, uh, who's missing? Who who do you guys think uh, is is number one on here? Halloween, Halloween. That was on your <laughs> list. <laughs> Van Van Halen, surely. Yes. Jeremy's right. It's Van Halen. Yeah, you're right. Dan? I regret not having Alice in Chains uh, facelift on my list. Good one. After later, yeah. but it's not it. Probably Van Halen, uh, amongst others, debuts. It's obviously, I'm not. I mean, you've got, you've, yeah, you've got to say Van Halen cannot be outside the top 25. No, so it must be number be? one. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it must be. It's not only a great debut album, but it's an album that changed music. It changed everything yeah yeah facelift is right there dan i actually just picked it up the other day on vinyl so i had to put debut albums behind there and let's see is it 
<laughs> that doesn't give it away as much as maybe this. <laughs> All right. At number one. It's Striker, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is Van Halen with Van Halen 1. There you go. When uh, when I did that Kiss episode the other day and I was asked if Kiss was the greatest um, 70s American rock band and uh, and what, after hearing Kansas and the Grateful Dead and the Doors, my instant thought was it's David Lee Roth, Van Halen, maybe Boston, but it's a Kiss episode. No one else is saying Kiss, so I'm going to say Kiss. Um, but Van Halen with David Lee Roth, I mean, again, this album gets played every single day. On American radio, eruption, and you've really got me. Um, just quintessential music. Uh, it, who has inf- we, I mentioned Iomi before, but who has influenced guitar more than Eddie Van Halen? I mean, uh, we can talk about how big this album is. We could talk about. His solo on Beat It, which whether if you're a rock fan or not, if you're just into pop music, you've listened to him at nauseum as well, thanks to that song. Just so many things that, again, this is an album that I think marked a before and after. It's not my favorite Van Halen album, uh, but I get why so many people voted for it. So, um, Dan, you're out in California. What does VH mean to the scene that you grew up in? It was it was the start. It was a lot to do with the clubs. It was a lot to do with parties. And they did it out in Brad's area. And Brad mm-hmm. was there, too. Yep. Uh, and it was the sound of Southern California. It's the sound of summer. So if somebody asked me what summer is, that is the music. So uh, that's that. It's huge. I mean, for, from... Without getting into the, the, the Laurel Canyon stuff that Anthony mentioned before, like Fleetwood Mac or like the Eagles or Jackson Brown and all that stuff. Um, this was the first big Californian band that really Californian hard rock or just straight up a rock band that really left a stamp that I think really marked a, a before and after. I mean, is there any other band that you can think of that was as impactful as Van Halen? The Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> but being being there, Brad, same thing. I mean, did, did, was there any band that you noticed? Could the Eagles be considered bigger than than Van Halen at that time? In Southern California? Um, I don't know. Yeah, the Eagles, I don't think they were really considered California, even though you got the hotel. I guess, what do I know? What do I know? Uh, I was into rock and um, rocking out. And so, yeah, Van Halen is leaps and bounds above anything that was ever done by those wonderful lads in the Eagles. 
Okay. Anyone else want to mention something about Van Halen 1? Yeah, it's um, it's an incredible mix of songs, I think, isn't it? I mean, and also they did a few covers on it as well, but they did them really well. Uh, you know, you got you really got me, uh, and you've got Ice Cream Man, which is probably one of my favourite songs on the album because it's fun. And that was the thing about Van Halen; they they did everything with a smile on their face. It was all fun. You know, Dave Lee Roth was the ultimate frontman in the day. You know, he was just incredible. Um, and a real, you know, real mix of songs, really great playing, great bouncy bass. Michael Anthony's bass is amazing. And, you know, they, they set the scene for what was, you know, quite a few good albums that they released afterwards. And you know, like you say, probably there were one or two that might, might have exceeded this one, but it was incredible. And the, and the opening track running with the devil is still one of my favorites from any band. It's a really great track. Yeah. The, most of this album, Again, similar to some of the others that I've mentioned, we're all over rock radio in, in the States. Running with the Devil, Eruption, You Really Got Me, Ain't Talking About Love, Jamie's Crying, Ice Cream Man, and then even the, the deep tracks. I, I mean, I think by the time I got to this album, I went backwards because my brother had fair warning first. But I remember I skipped over all the radio songs because I'd never heard I'm the one. I'd never heard uh, Atomic Punk or Little Dreamer or On Fire. And some of those songs are just so good and so different that Van Halen, to me, you know, was an album band because the songs were so good from, from beginning to end, especially during the, the Roth era where even if a song didn't get on radio, you felt that, oh, okay, they picked the wrong single because it should have been this song because this song is as good or better. So, and I mean, I'm looking at this now. They released five singles off of this song, uh, off of this album. They released You Really Got Me, Running With The Devil, Jamie's Crying, On Fire, and Ain't Talking About Love. I never heard On Fire on the radio ever <laughs> where I grew up. So that's interesting. Oh, wait. It was a single in Japan, so my bad. That's why. <laughs> the other thing is it sounds so polished. I mean, this was released, what, 1978? And two years later in the UK, you've got bands who can hardly play their instruments coming out playing heavy metal. And, uh, you know, this is like so far advanced than, than anything at the time. The sounds that he was creating on the guitar is, is amazing. Yeah, it sounds like it could have come out last week. You know, mm. it's an amazing sounding album, and it's, that's probably because it's so stripped down. Really, you know, there's, there's no, there's a couple of guitar overdubs on it, but like not many. Yeah, and and for for all of you uh, Kiss haters out there, uh, there is a Van Halen Kiss connection. Oh yeah, there's the Kiss connections to everything. <laughs> they the. <laughs> Which is why they're the greatest American rock. <laughs> there you go. No, but I, I was going to say that's that's what they want to think anyway. <laughs> but uh, Gene Simmons did quote unquote discover them and produce the original demo. Right. Which, mm. if you've never listened to the demo, it is really cool. A lot of times you, you listen to some of these demos that have been passed around through the tape trading days, and they. You know, they're scratching. They don't sound well. 
the songs on there are just as good as the first album with a different production set to it. Uh, there's a few songs different. House of Pain, which appears on 1984, is on there. Mm-hmm. It's it's a shame that there's some of the other tracks that um, that I guess ended up on a different kind of truth. But a song like Bullet Head, which they had back in the day, which was really cool in the demo format. But again, that isn't uh, th- I don't think Gene produced that. But anyway, enough about Kiss. This is Van Halen. Um, voted number one, not by a huge landslide. Nine points separates that nine points between one and two, nine points between two and three. And actually two points, uh, between three and four and four and five. No, the voting at the top was, was, uh, was pretty tight. In any event, I do want to thank everyone who's joining us. Brad in Idaho, Anthony in, I almost said Idaho again. No, it's Ireland. Look at that, Brad. You did it again. Now you're just doing it on purpose. You're showing off. (laughs) Johan in Sweden, Jeremy in the UK, and Metal Dan in California. Thank you all, you guys, for joining me. Thank you, Sean, for joining us. In the chat, thank you to everyone who is listening or watching the replay of this. It is greatly appreciated. This was a (coughs) jumbo-sized episode, so there's really little else I can say. Um, I got to find the exit video. How about that? Uh, Anyway, guys, thanks, everyone, for joining us. We'll see you next time right here on Signals. From Mars. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Signals from Mars podcast. You can subscribe to the show on all your favorite podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and more. Go to signalsfrommars.com for more information. This concludes our show. 